Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. But we are joined this week by a friend, a fellow Multiversity podcaster, a, a just a real solid dude in general, Mr. Greg Matasevich. Hello, Greg. Hi. It is nice to have you back on the show. You've been on the show, what is this? Is, is this your fourth or fifth appearance, probably? Let's say fourth. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, let's say fourth. Next time, we have to give so. you a jacket like that SNL sketch with the <laughs> Five Timers Club. So <laughs> we'll get you a smoking jacket for next time. Okay. Um, but anyway, for those that, that, that have not been listening to the ads at the beginning of the episodes or have not been visiting multiversitycomics.com, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, Greg, <laughs> Greg has been running this really amazing series of auctions during the last, is it four weeks now, Greg? Uh, uh, it was 30 auctions in 30 days. So I, uh, the last week of April, I think we started. Okay. And Greg is auctioning off all of these incredibly... Uh, well put together, well researched binds that he made of various series. And Greg, as of recording time, which is Monday, June first at nine forty p.m., how much have you raised? Uh, close to twenty seven hundred dollars. And the majority of that is going to the Here Initiative, but you've had a few go other places as well, correct? Yeah, uh, uh, they've all gone to the Hero Initiative. Ex- Except for um, I had a milestone bind that went directly to the Dwayne McDuffie fund. And I think that was $150. And then actually today's bind, as this episode is posted, um, that will go uh, somewhere else. Uh, do you want me to go ahead and sort of spoil that? Yeah, sure. Uh, at the moment? Okay. Um, so, um, so today, June uh, 3rd... Um, I guess it will have, it'll be posting later this afternoon. Time is weird uh, with this whole <laughs> yeah. with this whole thing um, because you guys post your episodes in in, in the morning. Okay, so uh, you know, spoiler. Um, later on this afternoon, uh, the auction will be for a two volume uh, Mark Wade Flash bind um, covering uh, basically the first couple of years of his run you know, issue, whatever he started on, like 64, all the way through Terminal Velocity. So all the way through, like, issue 100. So it'll cover the Greg LaRoque run uh, in Volume 1 and then Mike Moringo in Volume 2. So those binds, uh, the proceeds from those will go to the Mike Moringo Scholarship Fund at SCAD? I think it's SCAD. I believe you're right. Yeah. Um, So the the SCAD, uh, or the... the, um, Ringo Fund website uh, doesn't have a sort of a direct donation uh, sort of portal, but I've reached out with uh, uh, and gotten in touch with Matt Waringo um, to work out sort of how to get uh, how to get things, you know, to the uh, to the fund and and um, and everything when that uh, you know when that finishes up. Um, the books are both signed by Mark Wade. The LaRoque uh, first volume is also. Uh, I hesitate to call it a sketch because it's drawn. Uh, Roke did a uh, did a drawing of uh, was it Wally? Yeah, uh, Wally in the front. And Brian, like you've seen it, like it's basically the first like inside uh, cover sort of page. Like it's big, so oh, it's you know, huge. quote unquote sketch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 nice. Chef's kiss. Mwah. 
Um, and then the 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 second volume, like I said, it's signed by Mark Quaid, but there I put together a uh, Michael Ringo tribute sketchbook sort of section in the back. So I found some sketches online, scanned some stuff, and and put that uh, um, in there as well. So um, each book has. Um, you know, a little something in it, uh, in addition to uh, some pretty good comics. Uh, they're really big. They are made from the original issues. So it's a lot of like newsprint uh, and stuff. So even though they're really, really thick, um, they're not ungangly or sort of uncomfortable to read, which is a big, which is a big thing. Um, and uh, I thought they, uh, I thought they turned out pretty well. So uh, they're going up today in the afternoon uh, between either, you know, three or four, uh, whenever they post the auction will run as all the others have done, will run 72 hours. So it will be, uh, finishing up on June 6th, which is Saturday, um, at either three or four, depending on when that article, um, posts and it'll be listed like actually in the, you know, in the article itself, it'll be very clear when it, uh, you know, when it ends. And, uh, like I said, the proceeds for that will go directly to the, uh, Beringo, um, scholarship fund. And, uh, yeah, nice. that's, uh, that's that. And we've got, uh, um, by the time this episode airs the day before, uh, was a bind for, um, a bunch of like DC late eighties, early nineties, science fiction, um, stuff. So like John Burns, OMAC, Tim Truman's Hawkworlds, uh, some Chaken Iron Wolf, which wasn't a character I was really familiar with until I sort of ran across it. Um, and then finally Chaken and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's Twilight, which is gorgeous. It's, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, so that will still be going by the time people are listening to this on the first day as everyone, as everyone does. Uh, and I believe I also will have a Peter David Hulk, uh, three volume set that, started on monday that should be finishing up on thursday yeah i think that's everything that'll be active um when this goes up and then we've got two more uh two more books i'm actually really excited about uh as well so uh, a lot of moving parts and pieces uh people have been incredibly incredibly generous uh uh with their you know with their money uh for a good cause uh in a time when there's a lot of uncertainty uh about things people have really stepped up um, and, uh, you know, while I've got the mic, I'd also like to thank, uh, thank Brian, obviously for your shepherding. Uh, I literally this, did uh, nothing, Greg. Yeah, you, you did, uh, keep me, uh, you know, sort of on the straight and narrow, uh, early on. Um, and that was appreciated. Uh, also, uh, a shout out to Kate Kostersky, our social media manager, um, because in terms of making sure all of like the tweets and, and notifications and everything go out in a timely manner. That stuff has gone like clockwork. And I guarantee you that would not have happened if I had to do, like if I had to do that. Um, so Kate uh, is very, very good at her job. Yeah. She's the queen of, of doing, of, of doing that stuff. And, uh, I, you know, we would not be as successful as, as this is endeavor. It's been, uh, if she hasn't, if she hadn't been as on the ball as, uh, as she is. So, yeah. So, well, again, thank you for doing it, and thank you everybody for bidding. And uh, yes. no, nobody try and get those uh, Wade flashes away from me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Zach is going to be taking lead tonight um, because we're talking about the final night, the next in our crossover series. So, Zach, who who's the creative team behind the final night? 
Okay, so it is written by Carl Kessel, which is not a name that you see very much these days. Um, I'm I'm not terribly familiar with a lot of Kessel's work, um, so you guys, someone else might have to speak to that. Um, on pencils is Stuart Eminen, who is someone we're all very familiar with, and uh, inked by Jose Marzan Jr. And uh, trying to get the color the color is not on the cover lee lee lowridge on the colors um so i this is a question for for vince and zach primarily but greg i want your opinion on this too is this okay. the best looking event we've read so far um now i'm trying i mean aside from maybe crisis is yeah was it maybe not crisis and infinite earths but since crisis is this the best looking dc event I well, Perez Perez on War of the Gods was really good too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Best uh, best non Perez. Best non Perez, sure. then yes, okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I I I really enjoyed Giffen's work on uh, Invasion, but not as much as this. Yeah. Well, Invasion wasn't Giffen. He was the writer yeah, was. for that. You're right. He he did. Um, he did layouts, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was McFarlane. You're right. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> anyways, well, I like, I like the McFarlane art. Yeah, um, take it away, bud. Okay. Well, I was gonna ask if you does anybody have any like prior um, affiliation or association with this with this event? Has anyone ever read it before? I, I have read it before. Yes. Okay. I have not, but I've been waiting for so long to read it because I've heard I've heard nothing but like glowing things about it. Really? Yeah. That's funny because I feel like no. What What about you, Greg? Uh, I read it before, not really when it came out, but like around that time, and then revisited it to to talk about it tonight. So I had read it before. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was, well, I was going to say responding to you, Vince, like not to like disparage it or say that it's not good. I, I enjoy it quite a bit, but it's like an event that, that I feel like few people ever talk about. And the only mm -hmm. reason I had ever read it is because like very early on when I was getting into comics, like the late, late aughts, early 2010s, you know, um, comiXology had a Green Lantern 101 sale and it was I actually, the the digital copies that I have actually have the checklist for that sale like still mm. in the back <laughs> and it was it was like 10 issues from you know kind of like silver age comic and then like 90% Jeff Johns Green Lantern related stuff and then this event so it was like you know touted very highly to me as a purveyor of Jeff Johns era Green Lantern um so that's how I that's how I kind of originally picked it up so um yeah I guess we'll go ahead and get right into it the first issue um opens with uh, kind of a, a little epilogue or not epilogue like a little prologue um story which is interesting because it doesn't actually have page numbers until the uh, main story kind of starts, um, which I thought was the interesting little touch. Um, we we open up on uh, 
new Tamaran or t- Tamaran. Do you guys know the official DC pronunciation of Starfire's homeworld? I always said Tamaran. Yeah, I think it's Tamaran. Yeah, yeah. Tamaran sounds good. Same. Yeah. So on new Tamaran, uh, where we find, uh, uh, you know, X Starfire, X Teen Titan, Coriander, um, and her sister, who I had I had forgotten was named Commander, <laughs> which is very funny to me. Um, I, I forget her villain name. Is it she? Is it Darkfire or Blackfire? It's it's Blackfire. Blackfire. Yeah. I believe she's currently in the pages of Justice League Odyssey a little bit, isn't she? Yes, and uh, I I am familiar with the character uh, recently because she is an occasional guest star on Teen Titans Go, and my kids love that show. Okay. So yes. Okay. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, the story kicks off on on New Tamaran with a uh, a fugitive, a kind of. Or, prisoner of, of the Tamaran government um, who, who's kind of infiltrated. Um, as far as I know, she's a new character. I don't believe she was in, in anything before this. Uh, we'll find out eventually that her name is Dusk, and um, she has come to warn new Tamaran about uh, an incoming threat um, that she has been kind of chasing around, trying... She, she's sort of the, the pariah, if you will, I guess, mm-hmm. if we're going to talk in, in crisis parlance for this this new threat that's going to kind of make up uh, this, this entire event. And um, she's unsuccessful at saving New Tamaran. Um, it's destroyed. Um, she is helped off the planet by Starfire. Um but it, it the the prologue kind of ends with New Tamaran being destroyed. It seems everyone on the planet except for Starfire is killed, um, and the story picks up back on Earth, and we have uh, Chapter One, Dusk. This this event is really weird, I think, because it's you can tell from the cover it it has kind of like the iconic '90s Morrison Justice League sans Aquaman, but this is. I think the year prior to Morrison taking over the justice league. Um, but it feels very much of that era. And this is like, to me, I think kind of like that cutoff point that is like a very specific, this is like the beginning of my DC comics as a child. Um, even though I wasn't reading a lot of comics at that point. Um, but the the story kicks off uh, with Dust crash landing on Earth, and she's met by Superman and the post-zero hour uh, Legion of Superheroes who are stuck in the 20th century for some reason. I, I don't know why. Um, whoever I did knows read... what's up with that Legion. <laughs> yeah, who, whoever knows. I did read the Legion tie-in uh, just because that's my, that's my thing. That's my grift, you know, and it, it seems like it has something to do with the Emerald Eye uh, of the Emerald Empress that sent them back here. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh you know, thanks to thanks to Saturn Girl, she she's able to uh, mind meld them all so that Dusk can talk to them and kind of warn them of the of the incoming threat, and that leads to kind of the the next major uh, crisis staple, which is a scene where all the, the superheroes meet together oh, sorry. in some kind of weird high tech yeah. high tech warehouse thing. Sorry, that's before the Spectre scene. <laughs> 
Yes, that is before the Spectre scene. We will get to the Spectre scene though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what what are your what are you guys' thoughts so far? Greg, you're the guest. Any, Start anything? with you. Um, I, I so my <laughs> so my thoughts like up to the, obviously sort of up to this point. Um, uh, I like I really am digging what's going on in this. In this comic, um, uh, yeah, try, try to sort of, sort of, where do we get? Um, so like Kiesel and and Eminem uh, were the regular like Adventures of Superman team, mm-hmm. you know. So they have a re- they had a real uh, sort of rapport working together and stuff, and you can tell um, that they are just really good at comic book. <laughs> They're really good at comic booking, like this. The, this issue moves it moves really quickly um the so those first couple of pages were actually put out as a preview um, I, I kind like, of wondered if that was the case yeah. just with the way it was structured yeah that's, that's so, Greg bringing that that important well <laughs> that important knowledge um yeah so they they basically include it at the beginning of the trade when it's been collected and they include it in the digital um issue uh and stuff as if it was you know part of the thing a part of the thing the whole time um also this uh series was published weekly um so you so like this so the specters well the we'll see this as we sort of go through the as we go through the series but um it gives it a immediacy and a quickness that plays into the situation because obviously, like if the sun goes out, like you don't have a whole lot of time. Like stuff's gonna get real bad really quickly, um, and it uh, keeps the you know the scope of the story manageable. Um, I think, particularly in this issue, we see a couple of different sort of camps. Obviously, we see the Superman Metropolis stuff. Uh, we see you know the Legion of the Superheroes are there. You never, I never really felt like. I didn't sort of understand either who people were or at least sort of what they were kind of there for, you know, I felt there was a really good sort of balance in like a whole bunch of people show up, they're trying to do their thing. And, uh, that all kind of made sense. Like in terms of, okay, if we have this problem, these are the heroes that would, you know, try and solve it. And very quickly, uh, the issue was like, okay, well, no, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This other thing is going to work. And yeah, this is like, there's sort of all killer, no filler, um, in, in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of this issue. And then the last thing, um, the first page of the actual issue, that establishing shot of Metropolis, uh, I really liked, um, I liked it, uh, 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 in and of itself. I also liked the fact that it's going to come up, it's going to be used again and again and again in different contexts, uh, that I thought was uh, the, was really smart so it's a nice opening and you're like oh wow that's really well rendered and it is you know it it becomes more and more sort of significant or uh uh sort of central to the you know to the to the story and i like a lot of the setup and stuff of of, of that so yeah yeah um let me just say like we we've read a lot of these events as of late obviously <laughs> And I can't think of an event going down smoother than this one. Yeah. It's just it's just presented so well 
all the information you need is is really clear. There is no filler in any of these four issues. They are mm-hmm. just lean and mean, and you get this incredible looking art. And I mean, Imminent is able to do things like make guy guard like make topless guy gardener's costume not look ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> or slightly improve the super mullet like he's he's just so good everything he touches looks amazing in this issue this is peak this is like peak 90s look like this is like the 90s aesthetic but like made modern like this would look good on shelves today yes um yeah. it's so sleek um yeah like the 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 warrior guy gardener maxima um you know the the leather jacket superboy the kyle rayner costume looks great yeah yeah kyle rayner yeah i think on that on that big hero page is that supposed to be the wonder twins in the top right corner oh yeah gotta be right i mean it really looks like them uh um, which is funny. I don't. I don't know if they were running around in continuity at that point. Um, Either that, or there's some legionnaires we don't. I don't. I don't think they're legionnaires. Uh, I think if they were, they would be down in kind of the legion. Yeah. The like little so. legion box there, or platform where they're all standing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I. Yeah, I really, I really like. I really like this so far. Uh, um, yeah, should should know. You know, the major threat is a is a sun eater that has come to eat the sun, and it's yeah. not going to be good. Can I speak uh, on that for um, one second? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and then I do want to hear what Vince has to say. Um, I, I feel like this is a, a very very rare event in that there is no villain, like the the super then. Well, I guess even I was going to say other than Legends, but Legends did sort of have a villain. It was it was Desaad, I guess. Um, it was G. Gordon Godfrey. That's what I meant. I meant G. Yeah. Gordon Godfrey. Yeah, but like uh, this event, yeah. like, it's a naturally occurring phenomenon that the superheroes have to try and stop. There's no mustache twirling villain at the center of it, <laughs> and I think that because of that, you see like a really pure form of heroism here. Where everybody is just doing their their best with what they what they have, and I don't know if any of you guys read. I, I read a few tie-ins just just to because I had a little time, so I revisited the Power of Shazam tie-in, which is just mm-hmm. about Billy and Mary and Freddy and Superman just trying to help people who are stuck in the snow. Like, that's all it is. There's no like overarching plot. It's just them helping folks who are stuck in snowdrifts in their cars, <laughs> and I feel like that's a really beautiful thing though. Like we don't. We don't mm-hmm. see that side of heroism enough in comics. And so I think that because there is no villain to be angry at, there's no room for rage and all that's left is empathy. And that, that's a really nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a – I actually had that in my notes as well. Um, even – like not even the fact that there's like no villain – uh, and I think I actually did write mustache twirling in my uh, <laughs> in my notes, which is why I, I snorted when you said that. I don't even think anybody really like even throws a punch. There's no even like sort of you know hero on hero like mistaken identity sort of violence. The closest really? thing is to dusk, right? Doesn't dusk yeah. kind of get uh, yeah. some and, shit thrown at her? Yeah, and so like Vandal Savage is gonna steal you know the Mona Lisa because he's still <laughs> holding a grudge after the. 100 years whatever um and so like there's a there's a little bit of gunfire there but in terms of like actual like actual punching not really you know 
Uh, and some of the tie-ins, there's, there, there's a little bit, but uh, this may be like the most sort of pacifistic, uh, if that's if that's a proper way to use that word, sort of event. Um, and I don't necessarily love it absolutely because of that. Um, but I think that plays into a lot of the things that I love, like about this, you know, about this comic. Uh, it is very much unlike kind of almost anything else we, you know, we get in these type of, these type of things, you know, so it's, so it's nice. Yeah. Vincey, yeah. you haven't said much yet. Yeah. I just like, you know, after Underworld Unleashed, which, which I, I think is, that's pretty good. It's a pretty decent event, I thought. Um, but the one big thing I was missing and, and it was really felt and, uh, and very noticeable, when we got to this event was the presence of Superman. And I just love how this event, uh, you know, dusk crash lands on earth and there's Superman front and center to, to greet her, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, unless there's a really good reason for taking Superman off the table, that's how this should be. I think that's how the DC universe should be. Superman should be front and center in an event book, uh, trying to figure out what's going on. And so, so immediately this was a, a breath of fresh air. And then from, from out, out from Superman, you get all the justice league heroes, but I like, I like the little inclusion of the Legion early on. Um, I like the role that Mr. Miracle plays. I like, you know, as we go through this, we'll see how these heroes kind of team up in some unconventional ways. Um, whether it's because of their power sets or their personalities or, or you know, whatever, um, you get you get some interesting little uh, boxes that that the different characters get put into, and uh, and like you said, Brian, it's so slick and 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 uh, you know, without any fat on it, that you get just enough of that stuff, and then it goes away, and it almost leaves you wanting more, and yeah, and the other the other thing that immediately strikes me about this is, um, you know, people, people always malign, uh, event comics, but I think so far with, with just a couple exceptions, these event books have been pretty good that we've been reading, I think. Um, and I know that that'll, that'll change. I think as we get more into the modern, modern era, I'm sure there'll be more clunkers. I, I already know what they are, but, uh, but I've been surprised at how much I've actually enjoyed, especially these shorter events that I had never read before. And and the final night is, you know, chief among them, I think. And that's what's so fun about this event is that if you just read these four issues, I mean, I would recommend reading the parallax issue also, because I think that's pretty key to this. But mm -hmm. if you just read those four or five issues, you get everything you need. The other tie-ins are nice, but there's nothing in those tie-ins that you need at all. There is no moment you'll be confused in these issues. And I feel like, especially early events, there was so much happening off the page of the main event that there were editor's boxes or just ignoring editor's boxes and leaving you confused as to what's happening. This is just mm -hmm. so, like you said, Vince, like streamlined and straightforward. It's, it's really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so you, someone, I think it was Brian or maybe it was Vince mentioned um, the characters breaking up into 
kind of smaller groups, which is another, you know, very crisis thing. And so we, we get two groups, uh, one led by Mr. Miracle with the goal of um, trying to transport the Sun Eater away using a boom tube. And then we, we have another group that's, um, I, I guess, kind of effectively led by Superman uh, since he is in the group. Um, that's kind of more just like energy wielders uh, flying on the Alpha Centurion spaceship, which I have no idea who the Alpha Centurion is, but I feel <laughs> like he shows up in a lot of these events. <laughs> I think he was in Zero Hour as well. He was. Um, yeah. yeah, which we'll get to it. This is this is ostensibly like a Zero Hour sequel. Um, if we're talking about like Crisis Lineage, which is something else we do a lot with these uh, events, this is like this is the sequel to Zero Hour in a lot of ways, weirdly. Um, but uh, the the siphoning of the uh, shadow or the Sun Eater into the Boom Tube does not go well, um, and so. The, the heroes kind of move on to plan B, but before that, and kind of in between that happening, we get uh, Spectre sighting. <laughs> and um, it, in this case, it's um, Phantom Stranger kind of, you know, doing doing the thing you have to do in an event, in an event where, you know, someone has to ask the Phantom Stranger why he's not, why he's not helping. The Spectre. And, the sorry, the other way. Yeah, yeah. The, someone asking this, the, the Spectre why he's not helping. And he, he kind of gives a similar, what what was the other issue? What was the other event where he wouldn't help because it was, um, it wasn't because it was a natural disaster. Maybe I'm thinking about invasion where he wouldn't help because it wasn't, they weren't uh, agents of, of chaos yes. was the issue, I yeah. think. Yeah. Mm. And this is kind of along the same lines. He won't help um, because this is uh, sort of kind of a naturally occurring thing. And if this is the, you know, if this is God's plan, then he's not going to go against it. But, but um, we get the Phantom Stranger in our voice saying, like, you do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what the fuck, yeah, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. With, he, he says, with every major crisis, it's the same. In all the years I've watched you, I've never understood why. <laughs> And at that point, you know, we're looking at like 10 years of these stories and I'm sure readers were like, yes, why does the Spectre not do anything? It's Which sometimes he does. Yeah, but it's just funny to but, me that they keep bringing it up too. Like, yeah. you think at some point they just stop asking him. Like, you know, we all have sure. that person we've invited to every every gathering we've ever hosted and they never show up. And eventually you just stop showing up. You just stop asking them rather, you know. Right, yeah. Although you should keep asking them because they they want to feel it's good to make sure that, that they know that they're cared about and and maybe the Phantom Stranger just cares about the Spectre. He he wants to know that the invitation's open to save the world if he if he feels like it. He is valued. <laughs> He's seen. Um, yeah, yeah. He is seen. Yeah, he is seen. Um. So um. The, the the second team of, of heroes, which is mostly made of kind of like energy based heroes, you know, Superman, Firestorm the Green Lanterns, the Ray, and they uh, essentially create a second sun to try to trick the Sun Eater and kind of pull it away from the real sun. And it works. Um, the the Sun Eater kind of moves away in a, in a really, like, I think, kind of striking uh, page where it almost kind of looks like it's not it's not water colors, but the way that Eminem and team kind of depict the 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 sun eater it has a very painterly style. Um, That's a beautiful page. Yeah, mm. 
it's very simple, but it really almost minimalistic in some ways, um, but just really good. And and this t- the the second son gets swallowed up, and and the heroes are, are kind of caught inside of it, and it it you know, it's not great. <laughs> it messes them up a little bit. And so the kind of after these two failures, um, you know, the the sun eater kind of settles in and, and fully absorbs our sun and in, in a kind of series of panels where we see everyone reacting. Um, you know, we see the 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 Justice League and some other characters. We see Jimmy and some uh, reporter types. We see Lex and his, uh, I guess new wife maybe did Lex get married yeah. around this time okay because he's on honeymoon um yeah. and uh we kind of end on this mirror image page of, of the opening page of metropolis that greg mentioned but now it's um fully cloaked in dark darkness and the, the final page which is all black says mankind's not going down without a fight uh so that that wraps up issue issue one um any any thoughts before we move on to issue two Uh, just... uh, I have one joke I wanted to make. Okay. Go for <laughs> it. <laughs> when uh, when they were trying to put uh, it in the boom tube, it reminded <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you laughing? At? Just just put it in the boom tube. The fact that you're calling it a boom tube means you're not ready. So. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, Tim and Eric universe sketch where they. They pretend to be scientists explaining the universe uh, to the viewer. And at one point, Tim says, uh, imagine if you tried to put the universe in a tube. It would be really long, and the tube would expand, and then it would contra- – and he, like, trails off, and he's like, you wouldn't want to put it in a tube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, see, anytime boom tubes get mentioned, I think of the Flight of the Concords sketch, uh, yes. the Boom King. You're the boom. start singing, I'm the boom tube. Who's the boom uh, to? <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom to the break of um, boom. Yeah. So just uh, just really quick, the the Sun Eater, um, and this wasn't something I knew the first time I read this, but it's something I'd sort of heard about in the intervening, I guess, years or whatever, uh, was originally a Legion yes. thing. Uh, yeah, and that's it's mentioned interesting. in the Legion tie-in. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting to go back, read that issue. Well, I mean, the two issues, um, because that is a very famous Legion story um, that I hadn't read until sort of reading this thing, or this sort of go-through of it, to see the sort of parallels between the story being like pre-crisis, and so this is now like sort of a post-crisis, not retelling of that story, but it's interesting to see where Kiesel and, and, and company are sort of what they're kind of taking from that to kind of evoke that very, you know, famous sort of Legion story and where they're expanding and deviating and, and, and stuff. I thought that, uh, it will talk about those a little more as we sort of go through the, you know, sort of go through the rest of the issues. But, uh, I thought they did a really good job of, uh, of tying it in without saying like, Oh, you have to read this other thing. You totally don't. Um, yeah. but if you have it echoes, there's a lot of echoes and stuff in it. There is. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. You know, this is the the post zero hour Legion, which is, uh, you know, kind of a rebooted fresh start Legion. And there's a there's a character who's introduced later on in this 
story that played a big role in in that legion story that you were referring to greg and so this is kind of like a like you said kind of a reimagining of that 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 doesn't require prior knowledge but it's kind of a, a nice nod yeah. uh, for those legion heads out there um all right so moving on to chapter two um we we kind of open up and you know in the aftermath of, of the ending of issue one everything's cloaked in darkness um and we have jimmy uh who's now a you know a, a newscaster um kind of giving giving the breakdown to everyone leading up uh to a, a big press conference where we see lex luther and superman shaking hands uh putting putting aside their differences for the for the sake of mankind and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with this being like a very kind of hopeful um you know laying down of of arms against this kind of uh natural threat and i i don't know like this sequence just hit really strongly with me um just like how earnest and and good it is like like there's no snark or anything like Lex doesn't even say anything like cruel or sarcastic or anything. Um, it's just like very nice. I don't know. There's like no other way to describe it. I think. Yeah. It, uh, on the one hand he is, uh, at a press conference or not at a press conference, but like the media is there. So obviously sure, he's going sure. to be, you know, he, he's going to have that, I'm going to say facade, which I think is genuine kind of up to a point, you know, like the best Lex and Kiesel having, you know, being one of like the Superman writers has had a lot of experience, at least at this point, writing Lex. So he's there's some there's some really great Lex stuff, stuff coming up. Um, the best Lex is somebody who's almost a hero, except for, I mean, certain things like his hatred of Superman. But you know he is he's like a, uh, a a hero up to a point and then there's the you know the fatal flaw or, or, or whatever um so lex as like businessman statesman sort of uh figurehead captain of industry i can come in and save stuff like he's good at that and for a lot of that stuff like he would be good to have there other than the fact that he would be able to then sort of turn it to his own, you know, his own devices kind of later on. But he's got that well of um, being able to sort of turn that on for the, you know, for the camera that other characters kind of in that maybe position wouldn't, you know, necessarily have. I think, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I think, you know, we're pretty used to the the stories of, of Lex kind of trying to present himself in a positive light. Um, but at least like more recently, you know, in those cases, um, Superman is very, very skeptical and kind of, you know, especially during like the late New 52 era, there was a lot of that. Um, but here, here, like Superman, at least, you know, for the camera seems to take him like at face value and doesn't, you know, is, is just yeah. like, yes, we need to, we got it. We have to work together. Um, which, which leads into a few sequences of a lot of different characters working together um, to kind of contain the, you know, kind of the um, mayhem and chaos that's kind of resulting from this, this doomsday scenario. So we see Oracle, um, Barbara Gordon in the Oracle role kind of running uh, as, the, as the person in the chair, you know, um, 
leading and kind of guiding all the heroes. We have, you know, Wonder Woman and Barda, uh, Captain Marvel Jr., the Ray, um, rescuing people from burning buildings. Um, there are kind of uh, end times revelers uh, uh, who, who are just kind of, you know, celebrate. What, what is it? Um, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, as a big uh, REM fan, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm, that's a song. Okay, if you say so. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman, not not an REM fan. She's yeah, like uh, okay, whatever. She got really into yeah. them when Bill Berry left, so up is more of her speed. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, the the ray in particular helps a, a woman out who and, and that ends up becoming a, a thread later on in the series um but then we cut away to the scene that was mentioned previously about uh, vandal savage trying to steal the mm. mona lisa uh, because it's a, a a woman who spurned him and uh and of course batman has nothing better to do right now in this time of crisis other than uh make sure that vandal savage doesn't steal this priceless artifact um <laughs> which, not only uh, is it not the, is it the thing that batman chooses to do he has to bring superman along with him as his bodyguard essentially he does he does he has to have him like fly him there or something i don't oh man yeah that that scene struck me as very funny um Especially just because, like, Clark is exhausted, his powers are running out because the sun is gone, and and Bruce is still using him for his yeah. his, his war on crime, you know. <laughs> um, I just love the idea that Vandal Savage wanted to bone Mona Lisa <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and for sure, of course. And he's he still did. butthurt about it. <laughs> yeah, thinks about it every day. Yeah. And I mean the the implication too is that what he's gonna he's gonna take this this painting, leave the planet, and just like uh, buddy, they won't even let me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, so then. Uh, we have some more um, scenes of um, kind of the, I guess the the science crew, which is you know Lex and the Star Labs and Brainiac Five and Dusk, who are you know kind of back trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, we find out that I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Brian. Uh, Ted Knight's a big Rush Limbaugh fan. Um, <laughs> hey, Ted, I, I'm really a Jack Knight guy. Okay. Okay. We'll get some of him later. Um, but we do get a, a great scene where Jay Garrick, uh, Wildcat, and Liberty Bell come to visit Ted. Um, basically just to kind of uh, see if he, ha if he has any ideas. Um, the other, the, the team with Lex and Brainiac 5 um, have decided to send Kyle Rayner into the sun with a, with a data probe to kind of collect some information about the sun eater and, and the situation. And, um, they, they get some information. They don't get as much as they would like. Lex isn't too happy about it. He always, you know, would like them to go a little bit further. Um, in a sequence that reminded me a lot of legends, we have, um, some, uh, 
some protesters or, or kind of a, a kind of a, a group who uh, believes that Dusk has um, that Dusk is responsible for bringing for leading the Sun Eater here, and they they try to attack her, um, and she's protected by Black Canary, um, who I really <laughs> I really like Black Canary's um, '90s outfit. It's so unlike anything else. It doesn't have the fishnets, um, and it's, sometimes it's like actually hard to tell that it's her. <laughs> yeah, it's it's stylistically the closest thing I can think of is her Team Seven costume. Uh-huh, yeah. But that's that's a stretch. Which is hilarious. Um, Wally, uh, Dick, and Tim, uh, Nightwing and Robin show up to help. And um, one thing I did want to note, I, I wanted to mention earlier, um, but, you know, with with the sun being covered, uh, there's the implication that it's, it's a lot colder on the Earth and there's a lot of scenes where it's snowing. And Eminem drawing snow scenes is delightful. It looks so good. I think anytime like a good artist draws a snow scene, it's extremely pleasing uh, visually. And, and this whole sequence plays out really well. Um, the the mob does capture Dusk and, and kind of carries her off. Um, we cut away to the Ray bringing the, the woman that he had saved back uh, back home to her village um to be with her family kind of here at, at the end and um doing so um kind of drains the ray of the last of his his power um and then the the issue ends with uh, a character uh that i alluded to earlier coming out to save dusk from uh, her attackers and it is uh pharaoh a new char- a character named pharaoh um, which, uh, for those in the know, is a, an homage to Pharaoh Lad, a, a legion of superheroes character who died uh, in the original Sun Eater story. Mm-hmm. And that's where that issue cuts off. Mm. That character seemed like it was going to be a bigger part of this, or at least that it was going to be revealed that it was somebody we had already seen before. Or maybe, maybe I'm just so poisoned by comics that I expect every new character to be something, you know, to, be, to be an Easter egg of some kind. But I thought mm-hmm. the character was handled really well. Yeah, go ahead, Greg. Oh, uh, didn't know if you could hear that or not. Um, you, he shows up in at least one of the uh, Superman tie-ins. Um, I think Adventure of Superman. I think that might have been it. Um, so we see a little bit more of like his. Um, necessarily origin but like we we you know we we see more of him before he kind of shows up here uh um for this sort of last page uh the reveal uh and uh uh and stuff so yeah yeah he's also he's also in the legion of superheroes issue as well Mm -hmm. where you get a little bit more of his his uh, backstory as well um Yeah. Um, so then we get into the third issue, chapter three, keeping hope alive. Um, we find Pharaoh and Guy Gardner uh, bringing in Wildcat to this kind of makeshift, uh, you know, uh, I guess almost kind of like superhero hospital that they have here in the in the Warriors Bar, which, um, again, being a big 
John's uh, Green Lantern mark coming back to the Warriors bar again. Um, it, it makes me happy. Zach, mm-hmm. have you ever read the story about, is it the Warriors opening? There's an issue of Guy Gardner Warrior where there's like a big party at Warriors. No, I haven't. <sighs> you got to read. I'll, I'll find the issue number for you. It's great. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we have uh, characters here who have kind of been injured and um, the, the power goes out and um, Spark uh, one of the Legion members is like, oh, okay, I'll fix it. Where's, you know, where's the generator, or the the power processor? She she calls it, and guy a guy says it's behind the tauntaun. Which <laughs> she doesn't know what nice. a tauntaun is, so he just shoots a big hole in the wall, and it's like, there, <laughs> fix it. Um, Pharaoh uh, gets a Legion ring, um, which is sweet, and then probably the the most like weirdest and most surreal thing of the whole series, and and the only thing that kind of feels like filler to me, or just completely out of left field, is a, a demon shows up on Earth and uh, offers to save the world in exchange for everyone on the on the Earth's souls. Um, and there's this really funny scene where the Pope is just listening to the radio broadcast and one of the Cardinals comes in. And He's like, like, shut up, I'm listening. Oh, yeah, so this, this sounds good. I want to hear what he has to say. So just very funny to me. And then it's not is not mentioned at all again other than like on the next page there's a daily planet headline earth to demon go to hell (laughs) yeah oh which like again like i don't it felt like a weird holdover from underworld unleashed like where there's just a lot of like weird demon-esque stories going on in dc at that time did everybody just have demons on the brain i don't know it also doesn't seem it looks a lot like the demon um like etrigan but i don't know if it's supposed to be i don't think uh, it is but i'm not positive i think it is because i mean he's rhyming and it does look like etrigan yeah i mean he's got like the the costume he has like the little footies he has the ears it, it yeah, looks a lot like and... etrigan. yeah yeah i don't know i just i just thought that 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 whole sequence it's only you know the span of like two pages uh just very funny um Mm. then then we do we get another bit of the specter here where he's just hanging out with uh gaia the life force mother earth whatever you want to call her he's straight up simping for gaia he he is he's simping for gaia (laughs) oh man yeah um which uh, this is the explanation for why the the Earth's core isn't the temperature isn't lowering as as quickly as you know they kind of projected as as Lex projected, and it's because Gaia is at the center of the Earth, kind of um, protecting everything. And it, it made me think about how um, you know certain aspects of this story are going to be uh, repurposed and retextualized later on in DC continuity, and thinking about how. If John, if Jeff Johns could have gotten his hands on this story, this would have been the White Lantern entity yep. at the middle of the Earth. I, I imagine that this is just mm-hmm. another aspect of the White Lantern uh, entity, which is, you know, that's how poison my brain is from comics. <laughs> uh, Before I forget, Zach, I, I, uh, Guy yeah. Gardner, Warrior number twenty-nine. Perfect. Okay. And uh, there, there's a there's a panel in it where Rocket Red says, 
Doc up the Marvel. You are right. Guy's jaw is truly large, like that of this Jay Leno. <laughs> wow. So, uh, it's worth reading for just that one that one panel at least. So anyway, sorry. Wonderful. Okay. Um we we find out uh that the sun is shrinking, um, kind of as a response to the sun eater uh devouring it. It is losing energy but not mass, which means it is eventually going to uh not go supernova, it's gonna go hypernova which sounds very intense. Um, Lex Luthor calls uh, Superman Kimosabe, uh, <laughs> which is not problematic at all. Um, and um, and um, yeah, things, things are looking pretty bad. Um, it seems like dusk may be preparing to make a run for it she's kind of given up on earth you know she's kind of seen the the worst parts of humanity and doesn't really think they're worth saving so what else would happen except the phantom stranger uh decides to uh decides to take her on a, a dickensian journey um across the dc universe um so she uh she, she uh phantom stranger takes her around to show her kind of you know the best the best that humanity has to offer he t he takes her to um to oracle he takes her to um to see um alan scott and his kids which ah i love i love all of those characters that's so good um I guess does he he does okay he does take her he takes her to the village where the ray um is is kind of being treated uh you know kind of nursed after his uh deeds of heroism and we see Zatanna and fire show up to to revive him <laughs> in a very funny sequence I, I it it's cute I don't know what what did you guys think about the whole uh, magic mouth to mouth resuscitation Uh, I mean, okay. It is. It is what it is. It is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Like like Fire says, then we're done here. Um, <laughs> it, it was definitely like uh, the stickiest that we've seen Zatanna in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get this great uh, double page spread of of Dusk and the Phantom Stranger, kind of flashing across the DC universe. Uh, I think like literally the only time we see Aquaman in the series and he's got his hook hand um, guy is shoveling snow with his transforming arms. Batman and Robin are fighting Mr. Freeze for some reason. I don't know. Um, and then the stranger leaves dusk behind and it, and it seems that she's about to be accosted by the mob that had attacked her previously, but they're actually um, here to help her instead. And so I, I think this is like, I, I actually think that this whole sequence could come across a little schlocky and ham fisted. Um, but dusk actually kind of like addresses some of that. She, you know, after the strangers left her, she, she says, you know, you show me mankind at its best if you want, but I've experienced its worst. Your arguments are at best half truths. Um, so it, it's not all just, you know, 
sunshine and, and lollipops, I guess <laughs> it, it, it's a little bit, it has a little bit more depth, I think. Um, we, uh, we get maybe my favorite sequence in this issue, which I don't know if you guys saw my tweet earlier, um, where I screenshot a, a bit from, uh, Clark going to see the Kents, um, where uh, it's essentially the "Are you winning, son?" meme. <laughs> um, there's a panel where where Jonathan Kent is. You get that blasted sun-eating critter licked yet, Clark? <laughs> it's very good. It's very yeah. sweet. Poor Jonathan Kent. Yeah. Uh, then uh, we um, the. The issue ends with um, Guy in the Warriors bar, sad because he, he has the old, you know, Wolverine issue where he just he just can't get drunk. You know, he can't go on a bender <laughs> here at the end of the world. Um, and uh, he he's kind of, you know, reminiscing back in the part of the Warriors bar where he keeps all the Green Lantern memorabilia um, and kind of wishing he had the the green ring and, and remembering or, or, or kind of uh, reflecting on the old saying about the, the grass being greener on the other side. And the, the issue ends with a, a green light flashing just out outside of the panel. We don't know who it is. And that's the end of issue three. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to like take this moment to talk a little bit about any of the, um, tie-ins that you read let's like not the before we do that not the end tour before we do that let's take a break and we come Uh, back we'll talk about tie-ins and issue four and more so stay tuned Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we're back. Uh, before the break, Greg, you mentioned talking about any tie-ins. Uh, Vincey, did you read any of the tie-ins for this series? I did not, no. I can't believe you. You followed your word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in nothing if not a... a a promise keeper and a truth teller. <laughs> Zach, which ones did you read? Um, I mean, other than the parallax one, which I, I think Vince, you did read that one, right, Vince? No, you didn't. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. I would say that's okay. almost essential. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. So yeah. I, did, I did read that one, and I read the Legion of Superheroes issue, which um, didn't have much. Like I said, you get a little bit about. Um, pharaoh it's mostly it's really weird um cosmo boy or he's not 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 cosmo boy cosmic boy um gives a a really rousing speech to pharaoh i think if i'm remembering correctly which prompts saturn girl to reflect on a speech that he had given previously but i don't 
guess had been seen in the comic books because they went ahead and showed the whole flashback. <laughs> and it's this big long speech he gives. Um, and uh, Saturn Girl gives Cosmic Boy a big old kiss, and everyone's happy. And that's pretty much the, that's pretty much the issue. It's a weird tie-in. Greg, what did you read? Uh, so I read. I sort of picked and chose. Uh, I read. Um, I read the Hitman uh, tie-in, the Superman tie-ins, uh, the Green Lantern tie-in, both the not the Parallax, but like issue eighty and issue 81. Uh, I think that's it. I think, no, I read the Aquaman one as well. Um, oh, and the Spectre. Yeah. So uh, the that double-page spread where you see, like, you know, Aquaman helping the whales break through the ice, uh, Batman fighting Mr. Freeze, like, those are basically, like, what happened in the tie-ins um, uh. and stuff. Uh, and again, because this series... Uh, pub, um, was published weekly, you basically only had like one tie-in per character, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Spectre tie-in, first of all, written by Ostrander and drawn by Mandrake, so it is like prime Spectre. His, even though his uh, scenes in the Final Night show up in issue two and three, like the Phantom Stranger goes to him um, in the beginning of the Spectre issue, and then the Spe- and then the Spectre tie-in has like its main story going on, but it does have Spectre re- ref- like reflecting on what the Phantom Stranger has said, and then like going down and meeting with Gaia and sort of the scene that we see in this issue, which I thought was a really interesting kind of uh, a tie-in that actually sort of really sort of weaves in and out of the story. Um, in the same issue in a way that you don't usually have when you have kind of like a longer um, exposure of a, of a sort of a main series being published like over months, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it definitely, I, I thought that was worth um, checking out the Hitman issue. Awesome. First of all, uh, the fact that none of you have read Hitman, if <sighs> I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. I want to so badly. It's, it's in some ways it's Garth Ennis's best work. Mm. Like it's better than Preacher. It's better than The Boys. It's it, it in a lot of ways it's my it's my favorite Ennis because he has enough sort of restrictions to keep him from kind of going off the rails, you know, as as he can kind of do. Um, but he he gets to play around with like hero worship and and. Um, a lot of the themes that keep coming up in his work that he's really sort of good at expressing. Um, and it's set in the, uh, you know, in the DC universe. So he gets to play with uh, a whole bunch of toys. He, yeah, it's, so it's basically the Hitman issue is essentially Tommy, the main character and his crew stuck in a bar because it's, you know, snowing outside, right? This is the last night on earth. Everyone's having their, uh, having a drink at the um, at the bar, so it's um, and the bar is like one of the main settings of the series, kind of up to that point. So it's a nice little bottle, no pun intended, um, <laughs> issue. Uh, so if you if you like that issue, you will most likely like the entire series. Um, it's uh, drawn by John McRae. Oh, it's so good. It is so so very good. 
um, you should definitely at least check at least check out that issue. Uh, and I think the whole run is on DC Unlimited or not DC Unlimited, <laughs> DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I cannot recommend it highly uh, highly enough. Um, and the Green Lantern issue uh, was good. Uh, if for no other reason, I mean, it was, it was good. It was also drawn by J.H. Williams. Williams. Yeah. So it looks fantastic. It looks fantastic. Um, and since, uh, what's his name? Kyle? Kyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, since Kyle, you know, is sort of involved in this, um, in this story a lot. Um, it is not essential, but it definitely ties in, uh, you know, even more than just sort of it being like a, you know, dark sky, dark skies tie in instead of being like red skies for crisis. Now it's like dark skies uh, and and stuff for, for final night. Um, it's worth reading and it looks it looks fantastic. So um, I think on the whole, the tie ins to this, obviously I didn't read all of them, but they were they were pretty strong. You know? Yeah, uh, I read the Green Lantern tie in. I read the Shazam tie in. And I skimmed a couple others, and I feel like these are uh, these are like the platonic ideal of what a tie-in should be, which is it enhances the story while continuing the story of the ongoing without making anything that necessitates reading to fully get the ongoing. The one I'll say is um, is more essential is that parallax issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg, did you read that? I did. Uh, Zach, did you read that? Yeah. Okay. Should we, should we, t- should we talk about that now then? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's talk in, let's talk about this one. Um, so the uh, issue's title is uh, Parallax Emerald Night. It's a one shot written by Ron Mars, who was the Green Lantern writer at the time, illustrated by Mike McCone. Um, mm-hmm. Looks very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we open up. This is an oversized issue. It's about 40 pages. Um, we open up with uh cyborg superman at the source wall which like what a better way to open a comic book up um (laughs) although he doesn't look like superman at this point he just looks like a robot man with with a mullet not quite a mullet very long pretty hair he looks good um (laughs) and um who should find him but hal jordan parallax um who you know for for readers who may not remember or may not be as familiar with that this era of DC continuity, um, Hal Jordan hates Cyborg Superman because during the reign of Superman uh, storyline, uh, Cyborg and Mongol were responsible for destroying Coast City, which is what led to Hal Jordan uh, going on a rampage, destroying the whole Green Lantern Corps, and becoming Parallax. And so we last saw Parallax... We last saw Parallax in Zero Hour. Um, I gather he was also in some issues of Green Lantern um, and maybe a few other places between, uh, you know, now and then. Um, but he, he, these two fight. Um, Parallax wins. He actually uh, engulfs Cyborg Superman with a construct of the 7 million people who were killed in coast city. Uh, and it's pretty grim, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sequence plays out really, it's really 
visually striking um, because it, it all kind of boils down to like a small ball of energy that the scope of it is, you know, you have this huge construct of people that then gets narrowed down into this ball that takes up like a whole panel, but then you find that it's like small enough to fit in Hal's hand. It's it, this, this whole issue is really kind of going on all out to say that at this point, like Hal Jordan is like the DC universe, Dr. Manhattan, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there were, a, I, maybe this was just me, but I felt like there were a lot of sequences that not, not necessarily like in tone, but like the way that they were drawn and portrayed felt very evocative of that. Um, particularly here in a few pages, which I'll get to in a minute, um, where where this story kind of dovetails into the end of um, Final Night number three. Um, but before that, uh, Kyle shows up, which um, seems to be after Kyle went into the sun and and maybe did the did the Green Lantern tie in touch on this? Yes. Any? A little bit. A little yeah. bit. Okay. So so Kyle goes looking for Hal because he thinks Hal can help. And, you know, they, they kind of talk a little bit about, you know, being a Green Lantern and, you know, how Kyle being the future and Hal being the past. And they, they have a nice moment. It's really good. This whole this issue is um, setting up for Hal to have kind of a, a big character re- redemption, which I think is interesting because if you want to argue that the whole parallax thing and the zero hour thing were character assassination, you know, Mars, Mars wrote the story that turned Hal into this. And so now here he is kind of having a hand in undoing it. Um, but the, the story, like I said, dovetails into the ending of final night. Number three, we kind of have a, uh, re like kind of a, a, presentation of the ending of the that that sequence with guy even having the same dialogue um but we find out that what he's looking at is is hal just sitting right across from him in the in the bar and and this is kind of the way hal acts during this sequence where he kind of goes between different characters feels very dr manhattan to me um Mm -hmm. where he kind of just is like all powerful and is just kind of trying to hold on to his like last bits of the, the things that are tying him to humanity, um, which in this case are the characters who have kind of meant the most to him, or he's had the most attachment to, um, you know, those being Guy, John Stewart, uh, Oliver, Queen, who is dead at this point, um, Tom, uh, the mechanic of Millennium fame, fame, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm played by Taika Waititi, uh, Carol Ferris, oh. um, and then and then Coast City itself. And, you know, th- this issue, I feel like, runs the risk of both due to its length and kind of its nature as a one-shot of being really kind of overblown and superfluous. But all of these sequences ring very true, I think. I think the moments mm-hmm. with each of the characters are, are really good. We get this great moment where, where um, John has been in, injured recently. He, he is um, kind of bedridden and how restores. Yeah. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he's, okay. He's paralyzed. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Well, guy, uh, John, or I'm sorry, Hal, you know, restores his ability to walk. Um, the scene, just the one page again, artist drawing snow. <laughs> um, mm. Hal goes and leaves flowers on on Oliver's graves uh, at his at his gravesite. Um, the sequence with him and Carol is is really sweet um, as they kind of you know again address the fact that they can never really be together um, and he he fades away while they're embracing each other. Um, Hal returns to Coast City and and releases Ganthet, who he has <laughs> been holding captive in his body somehow this whole time. <laughs> Um, and they have a nice little exchange where Ganthet offers him the ring again, but but Hal declines. And then um, the issue kind of wraps up with Hal returning to Kyle and telling everyone, you know, or telling him to to let everyone know that he he's going to try to help, um, which leads into chapter four. Um, so I, I guess I'm I'm interested, you know, what are you, your guys' thoughts on this as a tie-in, and and also like Vince, what do you think about Hal's inclusion in this in the final issue of Final Night, having not read the tie-in? I I think I kind of liked the way that I experienced it. I kind of liked it just coming out of out of nowhere, and of course I know the I know the general context behind Hal and and what happened to him anyway just from a historical context standpoint um so i didn't feel like i needed it i felt like i felt like him just swooping in there was a pretty natural twist without without seeing that lead up um so i kind of i kind of liked it and i didn't think i i didn't feel like i was missing anything so that that's interesting to me because i think that like zach said on paper that tie-in should have been kind of a disaster and it, mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly effective and moving. You know, uh, there is a um, there is definitely an idea. As you're reading this issue, you just you, you are doing what Batman essentially is doing the entire series once Hal is introduced, where you're saying like he did these terrible things, but he's trying to be better now. And you know, do we erase? all of the years of his heroism because of his mistakes. And then, you know, similarly, do we erase his mistakes because of his late heroism? And I feel like the whole issue is toying with you with that as you're seeing how in these incredibly personal, really beautifully rendered moments with the people that are most important to him, but they never let you forget that this guy did a terrible thing. So I think it's really effective mm-hmm. in that way that it puts you sort of right in the middle of that moral quandary. And I think you would miss that if you didn't read that tie-in. That said, I think you're right, Vince. I don't know what you would uh I don't know what you would have really missed like story-wise, but I do think that there's there's a lot of nice stuff in that issue. Mm. Mhm. Um yeah, it so it's interesting that um you know, so so Kiesel and I guess the, you know, the Superman office or whatever is kind of maybe spearheading this event. And in order to sort of finish it, they're like, look, we want to bring in Hal Jordan and, you know, have him like fix everything, even though Hal was really under the purview of like the Green Lantern office, you know. So the Parallax, the Emerald Knight is like Ron Mars's, I don't want to say consolation prize, but like his 
the, the attempt or the the consolation prize they gave him to let him kind of do some more Hal Jordan stuff and sort of say what he at least a bit of what he wanted to say about Hal because Hal was very quickly about to be sort of moved off the table. Um, and I agree with Brian. Like, I think it's, it had the potential to be a real train wreck. Um, but Mars does some really, really good work, uh, on it. And McCone just, man, the two of them. Oh, so good. Uh, also I can live my entire life without ever seeing the cyborg Superman again. So I'm really, I'm really like pissed. This wasn't like the last time we saw him. Like I didn't even like him at the time. And I know we're not supposed to, cause he's like cyborg Superman. But every time he comes back, I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You're going to um, love DC Rebirth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, seeing how womp on him for, you know, seven or eight pages drawn by Mike McCone, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm totally sold. Um, but the, you know, the, the issue does have a lot of, a lot of sort of gravitas, um, to it uh but if you were so if you think of final night as like a disaster movie um this would be like a 15 minute 15 20 minute sort of section that you know you could like it would work in and of itself but it would just bring the movie to an absolute just stop in it's like final act, like we're going into issue, we're going into sort of the last chunk here. Um, so I'm glad they did it. I'm glad it's included on, you know, like in the trade and, and, and everything. Uh, but I think Vince is not wrong for not having, <laughs> like not having read it as much as I enjoy it. Like, um, I didn't, I, I didn't read it really like at the time. So when I actually did read that stuff, I kind of knew like what the quote unquote importance of that was, you know, to sort of give you some, some to fill out some Hal Jordan beats. Um, so I was sort of looking for that, but if I were just sort of like, Hey, picking up final night, then they tell you to, to go, you know, read this other um, one shot that you had no sort of connection with just from the final night stuff. You might've been like, yeah, okay, that was sort of, you know, unnecessary in a way, I guess. Um, but it, it just as a comic and stuff, I thought it really, really worked, uh, you know, really well. Yeah, I can I can definitely see a reading where, you know, if you're just going from issue three to four with the tease at the end of issue three leading up to the reveal in the middle of issue four, I can actually yeah. see like if you were reading at the time without knowing how that could be really satisfying. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of actually maybe like genuinely surprising in some ways. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, like well, with a lot of these events, you know, there I think there are cases to be made about just reading the core series versus which tie ins are, are, you know, kind of core and necessary. And, and I, I think you can make good arguments on, on both sides. Um, but that leads us into the fourth issue, the final night with a K final tonight uh we get a great uh title page with kyle flying in to that kind of um same uh, opening scene of metropolis that we've been seeing only now it's covered in ice and snow um the the heroes have a plan um to contain the the uh exploding sun in 
inside half a million force field devices that that will be spread around uh, the Sun Eater and the 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 explosion will power the force fields kind of creating like a, a, a you know kind of feedback feedback loop system that will destroy the sun eater or at least that's their hope and so um they need someone to deliver the um to deliver the force fields um and so initially they choose kyle because he's already you know been up to the sun once uh, but he gets zapped away uh, for reasons that we know about if you have read the Parallax one-shot. Um, so their second choice then is Superman, um, who, you know, even though he has lost his powers, he's hoping that once he gets up close to the sun, he'll kind of regain his powers and be able to escape um, from the situation. But he still, you know, takes a moment to, you know, kind of prepare. He writes a note to Lois. Um, it's, a little, it's a little sad. Uh Shazam says, holy moly, because uh, he's, he's very upset or concerned for Superman. Um, but in the time that uh, Superman is taking to kind of get his affairs in order, someone else uh, runs off in the spaceship. And who other than the uh, recently introduced and uh, highlighted many times Pharaoh, um, sweet young Pharaoh, kind of fulfilling the... Uh, the original story of which this is kind of an homage. Um, he, he he goes off into space, at which point uh, Hal makes his return. He's here to help. And that that reveal page is just is very, very good, I think. Um, once Hal like comes on the scene, this issue, I think, really, really comes alive. I think this is the best looking issue of the four um, throughout. Um, but we get some really great sequences. Hal like fills the lab with um, a, a construct of, you know, the, the effects of the of flooding that will um, occur if the if the sun is just to you know go back to normal after all of this, um, you know, uh, the unnatural cold tempers temperatures that have that have been going on. And so, you know, he kind of explains how he can fix everything, which is you know mirrors a lot of the rhetoric he was using in zero hour which sets many people especially batman on edge um he he tells him he's not a god uh but then we actually see him acting pretty godlike getting into some of the dr manhattan stuff that i was that i was mentioning earlier um pharaoh is able to launch the force fields, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to escape in time, even though he, he can turn to iron and thinks that somehow that's going to protect him from <laughs> the sun. I don't know. Sweet, sweet lad. Um, the science. The science. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I mentioned that uh, he had received a Legion ring earlier and he laments that he's not going to be able to return to, to spark at, at which point gigantic, Hal Jordan standing in the sun <laughs> grabs him and says, I know how important rings can be, which is like the most like, yeah, heck yeah. You know, oh, just absolutely Green Lantern moment. Beautiful and, and amazing. Yes. It's so good. Like one of the best pages in the book. And then, then it just becomes like the Hal Jordan show essentially. Um, you know, he, he, 
begins doing the oath very slowly, which I think is something that we have definitely made fun of a lot more in like modern Green Lantern comics because it just happens so often. Oh, every single issue. Yeah. But this one feels important. Yeah. This one feels mm-hmm. so important. And, you know, it, it it's the the pacing and the framing and the choreography of it all, you know, with him like and the way that the dialogue frames it too is just masterful really so you know in one hand you have him um you know kind of embracing the light of the sun and the other hand he's he's drawing in the darkness of the sun eater he's he's saying the oath as he's kind of preparing to uh sacrifice himself the the lettering here is so you know bombastic the but where my power is like oh, so 90s. <laughs> it's so 90s. That's like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, yes. Saved by the Bell ass font. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, it's yeah, it's so good. But then, but then the oath ends. You know, he, he there's this. Uh, the oath is being accompanied by this kind of inner monologue that Hal is having at the same time, and the two dovetail together where he ends the oath and uh, instead of green lanterns light he says beware my power in a in a different light and um you know he's he sadly sacrifices himself he saves the day the the sun shines green for a little while um and and everything's back to normal and we we get this um you know closing moment where where clark and batman kind of debate what we've discussed earlier you know how do you memorialize a man who has been both a hero and you know a a very serious villain um you know which batman's never killed anyone or anything so he has the moral (laughs) high ground definitely um (laughs) vince you're not gonna you're not gonna push back you're not gonna you're not gonna do anything are you immune have i pushed this have i beat this drum too often (laughs) I'm just letting you. I'm just letting you go off, King. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. Well, well. In the end, you know, we end um, with the the final shot of Metropolis once again in brightest day, uh, and 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 it's all good. Everything's good now. Um, the end. That's right, and it's it's forever. Everything's forever. good forever. Everything's good mm-hmm. forever. Hal Jordan never comes back. He yep. is a uh, problematic and controversial figure to this day. <laughs> um, no. um, I, I really liked this um, a lot. I thought it's a really good Hal Jordan story. Um, as much as I love some of the stuff that comes later with Hal, I think the later stuff kind of undermines how good this ending is for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think this is a very good Superman story. I think so too. Yeah, one of the one of the questions I had written down here uh, to sort of pose was, you know, how a lot of these series are like they belong to sort of one family. You know, it's so like this is a. I mean, even if it's like a D, even if it's like a big event, it tends to be sort of born out of the idea from one sort of camp or the other. Sure. And and so my question was, whose miniseries is this? Like, is it in your minds? Is it a Legion series? Is it a Superman series? Is it a Green Lantern series? 
I think of it as a Green Lantern. I yeah. do too, but it's really only that way in... because of the last issue. Yeah. Um, right. Prior yeah. to that, I probably would have called. I it would have been like a Superman Metropolis story. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, there's nothing like there's no wrong answer to this, but because it leans so much from like a Legion sort of starting point in a way. Both, I mean, like the Sun Eater, like literally, but also just sort of that type of. It feels very much like a Legion sort of problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like threads of that, and I think Kiesel and and Eminent, but particularly Kiesel, do a really good job of having all of that stuff present, but not letting sort of one, uh, one sort of faction kind of take over. So, like, if you're a Superman fan. This is introducing you to other parts of the DCU while still giving you enough of sort of like what you're kind of used to to make you feel welcome. Mm. So like if you were a Legion fan and you're like, hey, I read Legion, like that's cool, but I don't know very much about like Green Lantern. This has enough sort of Legion stuff going on to have that be your in. And then you get sort of hit with the Green Lantern stuff like later on, you know, or if you're like Green Lantern, you're like, hey, Kyle's in here. And Kyle is actually a, a real part of the the comings and goings of it. And then at the end you get Hal where it's like, Oh man, that's a real big uh, green lantern sort of payoff, you know? So, so uh, paying tribute to all those sort of uh, parts of the DCU that are going into a story that would sort of naturally cover as much of like DC earth as it does. I think it's a really good job, especially doing it like four issues, you know? The economy That's here is really, really well. well said. That's really well said. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, Kiesel's Lex Luthor, awesome. The snark, like between him and him and Brainiac, the, the, basically the snark between like Lex Luthor and anybody, mm-hmm. you know. So, and so you get is like Lex the hero, Lex the hero, Lex the hero until he has his villain turn in, and not even like a villain turn, but like when. Um, uh, yeah, so Green Lantern can't go. And they're like, okay, well... Uh, and then somebody's like, well, we should go with Lex's first choice, which was... Lex was like, well, I would do it, but I don't know if I would survive. And we already have somebody who would survive. And they're like, well, I think we should go with Lex's choice. And Lex is like, hell no, I'm not doing it. I want to take credit for this, right? Like, there's, there's the, there is the fatal... Uh, or in this case, non-fatal. Uh, there's the character flaw. Like Lex is is leading the charge and he's like, look, I'm better. You know, Superman's all powerful and he's, you know, physically strong, but we don't need brute strength here. We need we need the brain. And I'm the smartest person, you know, in the room. And so and he is like he's really, really helping up until the point where the Lex gene kicks in uh, (laughs) and he's just like, hell no, I want to live, you know, and then they're like, ah, okay, cool. You know, and there's that panel where they're all looking at him like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we've been waiting for. You know. Does anybody um, know why Kiesel isn't doing much right now? Uh, I mean, other than just sort of like, I don't want to say ageism, but I mean, like he's so he's doing uh Section Zero stuff kind of recently, but he's not doing anything at the big, you know, the big two. Um, I don't, I don't know anything particularly. Like, like it, for any particular reason. This isn't an Ethan Van Skyver situation, is it? Oh God, no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. not not as far as I know. No, 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 no. Um, because and I mean, he and I oh, mean those Avengers of Superman issues that he was doing with Eminem 
really hold up. I've been reading yeah. some of those over the last couple of years, just as part of tie-ins, as part of events and all that. And those issues are great. And this is such a well-done event. I don't know why he wasn't doing more. And he's not that old. Like, I think he just turned 60. So it's not mm. like he's a young man, but he's not, you know, he's not Stan Lee or anything. Right. I mean, a pre-death Stan uh, Lee, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, he's an interesting, just, he's an interesting dude. Um, you know, obviously was an inker of, of, you know, a lot of comics work with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of big artists, um, including he's also like a big, like fantastic, obviously a big Kirby fan because like, just look at the stuff he's done. Um, he was the, he was Ringo's inker on the fantastic four run and Wade described him as like basically being like the fifth beetle in terms of them, in terms of like their work, um, process and stuff. If Wade had a fantastic four question, he would basically run it by Kiesel and Kiesel could, you know, without fail to sort of, fact check or, or give like a, a nice uh, opinion on um kiesel and eminent specifically did at least two issues of fantastic four around that time one was where ben Grimm was bar mitzvahed like his second bar mitzvah one right so basically like it reestablished or i guess established in canon of ben Grimm being jewish Right. Which was a really good issue. He also did an annual where it was what if the FF happened in real time. That is really, really good. Like if that's I mean, OK, I realize I just, um, you know, shouted out to Marvel Comics, but they're 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 like all the time. I was going to say that you're basically playing the role of Zach right now. So uh, if you ever have a chance to check those out, they are uh, it, sort of of this era, I think. So you see Eminem like pre pre next wave, like pre he's just about to turn into like, you know, Stuart Eminem sort of as we, you know, the, the artistic, uh, uh, I don't want to say God, but I mean like the, the one of the best mainstream comic artists we have working today that he is now. Um, he is just about to sort of, go over the over the hump kind of into that um but his work is really really strong uh it's still really really strong at that point so we're talking like 99 98 99 2000 summer um somewhere around there um but yeah kiesel really really uh did some a lot of good work i feel in this series and work that's only good it's so good you won't notice it because the issues read so like smoothly, like everything fits together so well. You'll just be like, oh, oh, that's good. As opposed to it not working and you have to like go in and sort of like do sort of like mental like damage control or something. It's like, why didn't this work? Why didn't that work? Like it's not showy and it's just so, you know, the characterizations all are what they need to be. The, the pacing and stuff is sort of what it needs to be. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. So it uh, it looks take. like he most it looks like he most recently did work for DC. Maybe not. This might not be the most recent, but it's the most recent I found. He he did art on the 2017 uh, Batman 66 meets Wonder Woman 77 mm. series, mm-hmm. um, which I think was a digital first that they then yeah. got collected. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he he has done some things, I guess. It's just funny um, to me that like, you know Jurgens has nine books a month, 
Yes. Sure. And, uh, you know, and Kiesel doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's oh. the world we live in. Um, it is. But uh, there's one more tie-in that I don't know if I don't know who read. Yeah, I did. Oh, if it's the one I think you're thinking of, I read the Green okay. Lantern epilogue. Yes. Yeah. We we should talk about that really quick. Um, yeah. 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 So Green Lantern eighty one, written by Ron Mars. Um, illustrated by Daryl Banks. Oh, Banks. Okay, the regular Batman, or not Batman, Green Lantern artist um, <laughs> of the time. Yeah, so this is a is an epilogue issue that is the funeral uh, for Hal Jordan. And man, this is such an interesting little time capsule for DC mm-hmm. for me. It really mm-hmm. makes me want to read the whole Mars Kyle Rayner run um, just because of how good. how interesting it is. Um, we get. Uh, little bits of, you know, Kyle's, a lot of Kyle, Kyle's place in the DCU at that time. You know, he is, seems like he has recently started dating Donna Troy. Um, we see him interacting with a lot of characters his age, um, you know, those kind of older Titans characters. Um, we, so it's kind of a, it really is, I, I feel like, um, even though this has kind of already happened in some previous stories, this is like the real passing of the torch from Hal to Kyle in a lot of ways, it feels like. Um, which Brian's the big like old Green Lantern guy or 90s Green Lantern guy. I'd, I'd really like to hear your thoughts yeah. on this issue. Well, first of all, I, I just want to say, um, even if you have never read a Kyle Rayner Green Lantern story, I think this is a very accessible issue. And you get sort of a little bit of Kyle, a little bit of John, a little bit of Guy, a little bit of Hal, even a little bit of like Alan Scott and Carol Ferris. And you, it really does an amazing job at contextualizing the entire Green Lantern family in one issue. And I think if you take this with the Parallax one-shot, it gives you a really solid crash course in sort of what what the Green Lantern books were like at this point in in the uh in the comics do you guys agree with that who who read this mm-hmm. tie-in that it's just a good introduction yeah, yeah. i do yeah. yeah it's really good so um, um in this so, sorry zach in in this era you've got so kyle is not yet a member of the jla he was a titan briefly with donna troy and uh arsenal and damage and a few other 90s very very 90s characters um and that that happens after zero hour, I believe, and so you know zero hour is is the the first coming out party for Kyle, and then he's a Titan for a little bit, but he's a Titan in the Titans book, but in Ron Mars's book, Mars spends a lot of time just getting Kyle to be. Huh, how can I put this? Just you know, it, it's the first, it's the first legacy handoff in a long time that the character wasn't teased out slowly. Like, Kyle Rayner did not exist in Green Lantern 48. And then just two issues later, he is the full Green Lantern. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. And so Mars wisely spends a lot of time introducing readers to who he is. I remember there being a lot of talk, because he, he's like a graphic artist in the in this these comics. I remember there being a lot of plots about, like, how hard it was for him to balance having a job and being a superhero. And of course there's the infamous fridging thing, um, which I actually just read Ron Mars say that's a valid criticism. 
which I, I was impressed with Mars for saying that. He said, like, I understand why I did it, but it's a valid criticism to have a problem with it. So good for you, Mark mm-hmm. Mars, for saying that. Um, but so in terms of his place in the DC universe, that tends to happen more in these event books, in the Titans book, and then eventually when he joins Morrison's JLA. But in the Green Lantern titles, he's really all about, it's really all about establishing Kyle as as a new character and giving the readers a real sense of who he is. That doesn't mean that people don't show up and guest star every now and then, because that definitely happens. But I feel like this is the first time we're getting a, uh, like a real extended look at sort of who Kyle is in the DC universe. Now it's been a couple of years since I've read this run. So maybe I'm misremembering that, but Greg, does that sound about right to you from your recollection as well? Yeah, I, actually have only read like parts of that run um guys come on but uh but that that tracks was sort of everything i've both read from it and kind of you know heard um about it um in reading this i'd forgotten that this and the other issue i'd forgotten that uh kyle dated donna troy for a while um which i thought was interesting uh i actually kind of like the idea of them as a couple you know, uh, and having it just give Donna like something. To, uh, okay, not say something to do, but like, well, well, she had been a dark star right before this. Yeah, the, right. There's there's a there's a, a really tragic part in the Green Lantern eighty tie-in where she's talking about how she can't wait to go see her son, and like her son dies not long after this. <laughs> And yeah. it it reads very much like a uh, like that scene from The Simpsons where McBain's partner is talking about retirement. And he's like, you know, <laughs> you know that he's about to be you know shot yeah. up, and that's kind of how the the Donna stuff feels here. Um, yeah, it's the war movie where the guy says, "I got a girl back home," and you're like, "Oh, you're 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 dead." Like, yeah. That's it. That's the, that's all. Yeah. Um, but no, like I like the issue. Um, I also thought the issue was was really interesting from just sort of a, a continuity standpoint in that they allowed uh, Swamp Thing yes. to show up. And Constantine. Um, and, Absolutely yeah, and, wild. And, and Blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is interesting. Uh, Swamp Thing actually shows up in Aquaman like around this time as well for a particular – I can't remember exactly why. Um, but certainly having uh, – having Swamp Thing basically on loan long enough to, to sort of do what he does in the uh, in the issue was better than them having somebody else do that particular thing. I don't necessarily want to put a spoiler, but like I was like, oh okay, I'm glad I'm glad Vertigo, you know, okay that it's kind of akin to like getting Laronic have, Man instead, right, 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 or like for for Metal, like having um, Daniel show up, yeah. Right? Does it have that? And you're like, oh, 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 that's kind of nice. You know, like it makes sense in the plot. But you're like, oh, well, it's too bad they can't do this because he's a Vertigo character. Oh, oh, no, look, there he is. Oh, cool. Um, so seeing, uh, you know, Swamp Thing uh, and and Constantine, but but Swamp Thing's the one that actually does something. I was like, oh, okay, that does actually give this a little more, a little more weight. Um, probably not reading it in retrospect because. You know, Swamp Thing's been back in the DCU for at least a couple of years now. But at the time, I remember being like, oh, oh, this is that was more special than the um, 
the foil whatever cover or the cardstock cover that they had on it that's what made that issue you know well i imagine this is probably one of the last if not you know one of the very few times at least until brightest day happens and they they kind of reintroduce him yeah um, yeah i can't think of any others so yeah so, but i mean not not necessary to like enjoy final night obviously but it, it is an interesting coda. i can see why they don't include it in the like in the trade like they do the you know emerald night one shot but if if you were putting together a bind uh, of of final nights you could i would definitely you know include it you oh, can make a very definitely. strong case for it to be included yeah yeah it's it's essentially the bookend to emerald night so yeah yeah it, it's kind of funny how emerald night final night four green lantern 81 makes kind of like an an event within the event Mm-hmm. Or a story within the it's its own little offshoot, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. This was a good event. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I would probably put it towards the top of of what we've read so far. Maybe uh, maybe after Crisis and War of the Gods. That sounds right to me. I'd I'd be tempted to maybe put it above War of the Gods, but ah. it just looks so good. Yeah, it's it's right behind War of the Gods for me. I think. I feel like the yeah. difference with War of the Gods is War of the Gods is this like expansive event that you really need to to devote like basically a weekend to, right? Where yeah. you can pick up this trade and read it in yeah. an hour, essentially. You know, it's just it's a it's a totally yeah. different experience. So it's hard to compare yeah. the two. For sure, for sure. Um. Brian, you want to tell tell everyone what they have the privilege of looking forward to next week? Yeah. Well, uh, I before I say that, let me say that we're we're slightly diverging from our original plan because we decided to go a little bit deeper on something. So next week we have uh, Genesis, which is notable for being a bad. And be Electric Blue Superman <laughs> appearance. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we got that. Then we are going to be doing three weeks, and we're going to be doing the entirety of DC One Million. Uh, so reading every tie-in, doing the full event for that. So after Genesis, we're doing three weeks of DC One Million. I will post on Multiversity in the show post, sort of what our schedule is for that. So if folks want to read along, they can. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have a bonus episode we recorded that will be coming out sometime in June. And then in July, we have to do a bonus episode of sort of, since comics have been back, anything worth talking about, which will also include uh, Dark Knight uh, Death Metal, number one. So lots of stuff coming up for us. Uh, Greg, where can folks find you on the internet if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, If they want to get in touch with me uh they can find me on twitter uh at greg matasevich uh g-r-e-g-m-a-t-i-a-s-e-v-i-c-h or you can go more probably easier more easier uh uh uh, uh, you can go to com. check out either robots from tomorrow uh the podcast that i co-host with uh mike romeo uh or you can go to shelfbound we have 30 
<laughs> a chunk of 30 auction posts that I'll have my contact information uh, on them. If you would like to get in touch with me, uh, that is probably the easiest way uh, to do that. And uh, you can always find two thirds of our show on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. And I am at Woker Fox. I'm not even going to make a, a joke this week. Vince is lucky to be off Twitter right now because <laughs> <laughs> Twitter is bad. So congratulations, Vince. You're not on Twitter. Yeah, I haven't seen any of that soul-shattering. Uh... No, you've been perfectly insulated from this and just enjoying time with your family, your beautiful, healthy mm-hmm. family. Oh. Vince is is running the the Antifa USA Twitter account. Hey, hey, you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get your boy killed, dude. You're gonna get me swatted. Yeah. <sighs> oh. No, Vince is running the DC three. Twitter account, which is why it's been so em- empty lately. I'm uh, I'm standing outside of uh, my local uh, church, and I'm holding a Bible very normally in one hand <laughs> <laughs> to a crowd of uh. bystanders. Very, it's very normal the way I'm doing this. Yeah, and I'm you're, standing you're holding a copy of, of Mark Russell's God is disappointed in you. <laughs> oh, you know what? Actually, I did want to <sighs> say in the. Uh, Green Lantern 81, there's a podium that everyone comes up to to speak from, and there's like mm-hmm. there's like a Christian lectionary there with Hal's face all over it. Like it looks like it's a book that is being read from <laughs> yes. the service, but Hal's face is in it. And I just I, I love that. Sorry, that's in my notes. I forgot to mention it. So, <laughs> uh, it's a miniature uh, copy of the Book of Oa. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. nice. All right, folks. Thanks for listening, Greg. Pleasure as always. Thank you for joining us. And oh, thank. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's it's always a pleasure. And thank you for not only having me, but also thank you for having me on such with such a good comic to talk about. Like this was this was truly hitting the jackpot of jackpots. Uh, I am not going to say stuff. who the person is, Greg, but the yeah. next guest we have is for Identity Crisis. <laughs> uh, I won that one. I won that Although after that, we do have somebody for uh, Seven Soldiers. So. Ooh. That's Ooh, good. Yeah. Oh, oh. Cool. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more DC Recaps. Bye. Multiversity. <laughs>